Today's episode of the Americano is sponsored by Google. Each new day online is a balancing act for parents. You like your child to explore the digital world safely, but also want to protect the precious offline moments you enjoy together. Google's Family Link app helps parents set digital ground rules for their children's Android device. Approve or block app downloads, set limits on screen time, even create a bedtime for your child's phone or tablet. Family Link lets you choose a balance that's right for you and your family. To find out more and see how Google can help, search Google Family Link. Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics, life and culture. My name is Freddie Gray. I'm the deputy editor of The Spectator. I'm joined today by Kristen Huffnanson, who is editor-in-chief of WikiLeaks and multi-time award winner of Icelandic Journalist of the Year. And we're going to be asking why did the CIA want to kill Julian Assange, who is the founder of WikiLeaks, the organisation for whom Christian works. Now, Christian, there was a, a rather sensational story that broke recently, which has not been refuted, in fact seems to have been confirmed, that at the highest levels of the American government and the CIA, there were discussions about killing Julian Assange, involving possibly a shootout in London. And this is the sort of thing that people around WikiLeaks suggested was true a few years ago, and they were all considered mad for saying so. But it seems now it was true. Let me ask first, were you surprised when the story came out? How did you react to the story? I wasn't surprised about, uh, you know, most aspect of this story because we knew uh, a lot of these elements beforehand. Uh, I was a bit surprised to learn that how uh, far up the chain of command this, this went and this was all being instigated and pushed forward on the highest level of government by Mike Pompeo, first as CIA director and then Secretary of State, and by uh, Donald Trump himself. That uh, was a bit surprising. You said nobody has uh, refuted that story or tried to deny it uh, in, in any meaningful way. And actually, as I well, I, I like to point out that uh, <laughs> when Mike Pompeo is is, is demanding that the thirty-plus sources uh, are brought to trial for uh, revealing this to journalists, uh, he is de facto confirming the elements of the story. Yes, it's a sensational revelation, and uh, it should send shockwaves uh, that uh, these kinds of uh, planning was being hatched uh, on the U.S. side. Well, it, it's interesting, given that what a sensational story it seems to be, that it hasn't created more shockwaves. I mean, I'd say generally it's been quite a muted response to the story across the international media. I, I noticed that BBC Somalia... It seems to be the only part of the BBC that has covered it. Can you answer me? Why do you think uh, the media are not interested in the story? Is this a great big conspiracy or are people reading too much into it? It doesn't surprise me that the, uh, the, uh, there is a muted response uh, and I'm actually happy that there is a, a, some pickup uh, on the story at all. We are getting rather used to that and reflecting back, uh, there were years and years where uh, you could see the element of... Uh, a successful smear campaign, basically, against uh, Julian and the organization. And uh, it uh, came to a point uh, that when Julian Assange was uh, dragged out of the embassy in April 2019, 
that uh, he had almost been dehumanized. It was an extraordinary development. And when you are a student of history and you, you go back to reflect on what kind of uh, tactics were used in the 60s in uh, smearing individuals and concentrated campaign, with the uh, help of the media, of course, uh, not wittingly probably, in all circumstances, you shouldn't be surprised. And I think we are sort of still seeing and uh, witnessing the, uh, the fallout of that. There has been a lot of change in these, this period, in this two-year period since uh, his arrest in the Ecuadorian embassy. It first went from being totally negative coverage to uh, little or no coverage, and then uh, objectivity hit in, finally, in, in, in some circles. And if you look at his plights, for example, now all major human rights organizations and free speech organizations are condemning the fact that he is being indicted for basically doing journalism. They recognize the dangers that is in place there for the fundamentals of our democracies whether it's Amnesty International, uh, Reporters Without Borders, and what have you. So we are getting there, and it takes a time to, uh, to turn around uh, elements like that in, in, our, in history. But we'll get there, and justice hopefully will prevail in the end. Well, well let's, let's go back a step or two for, for, for listeners who aren't really across the Assange story. Why did the CIA want to kidnap or kill Julian Assange. It's presumably because he was leaking state secrets that they would say were endangering operatives of theirs in the field. We have to, re- we have to reflect back uh, uh, over a decade and, and go back to the uh, explosive revelations of 2010 and 2011, the collateral murder video, the revelations from the war in Iraq and, and Afghanistan and Guantanamo Bay, and then the publication of 250,000 uh, diplomatic cables. It caused a lot of anger. At, at that time, of course, uh, Wikileaks had existed for quite a few years since, since uh, 2006 and published a lot of uh, material. It didn't come into the public uh, attention until uh, these secrets that were being revealed and, and published uh, bearing on the United States and, uh, and the Empire's interest. So there was a lot of animosity towards Wikileaks at that time and that lingered on. The Obama administration uh, did attempt to take measures against the organization. There was a, uh, an ongoing investigation for years by a secret grand jury. The Department of Justice in the United States looked into every possibility they could in, in bringing charges against Julian Assange and or possibly others in the organization. They decided, we learned later, that uh, it uh, would be such a danger that uh, First Amendment implications would be uh, come into play, and uh, they called it the New York Times problem, rightly so, because there was no way to distinguish between what Wikileaks did and uh, New York Times did. New York Times was our pro- uh, partner back in those days. So the plan to, to bring charges and uh, criminalize journalism was, was shelved by the Obama administration. This all changed in uh, 2017. In 2017, of course, uh, Trump was president. Mike Pompeo was the director of the CIA. And WikiLeaks uh, uh, published information about the cyber arsenal 
of the CIA, the so-called Vault 7 leaks. It is wrongly being reported now that uh, Wikileaks was publishing the, uh, the hacking tools of the CIA. That is incorrect. We were publishing basically information about these tools, the length that the CIA was willing to go in their operations. It was a, a tremendously embarrassing to the CIA. Uh, Mike Pompeo was uh, humiliated, or felt humiliated by it. According to the Yahoo story, he didn't even want to report this to the president uh, that this has taken place, uh, but was urged to do so because it was necessary to do that. But uh, the, the, this led to, according to the Yahoo story by Isikov and his pals, uh, to him basically going off the rails and uh, planning revenge that uh, included uh, almost anything. And nothing was off the table and kidnapping rendition, assassination was being discussed and planned. There were plans being drawn up, uh, scenarios of, of, of this kind of uh, uh, actions. Can we talk a bit about Vault 7? Because if, if Vault 7 seems to have been the thing that triggered this nuclear reaction from Mike Pompeo, what exactly was it, do you think, about the revelations from Vault 7 that prompted that reaction? I mean, I'm not expecting you to reveal everything, but were you aware of how sensitive Vault 7 was when you were publishing it? Well, sensitive in a, in a way that it exposes, you know, the, the arsenal uh, that CIA uh, had compiled and was willing to use uh, in their operations. I mean, it included uh, basically tools to, uh, to hack into uh, uh, televisions and uh, appliances and cars and, uh, you know, tools that could be used for very malicious purposes. Uh, this... Uh, was in the public interest, in our belief, to expose that this was uh, in the arsenal, just as we think it is in the public interest for that to expose, you know, the, the militaries of, of nations, what they have in, in terms of tools. But uh, a part of the uh, humiliation, I believe, and that's reflected in the story, was that uh, you had uh, NSA leaks by Snowden in 2013, we had WikiLeaks, of course, exposing some secrets from the State Department. And the CIA had been basically laughing that our counterparts from the NSA and the State Department couldn't hold their secrets. And whilst they were actually, uh, obviously, keeping a very, very close eye on WikiLeaks and uh, on Julian Assange, they had no clue that this was coming. Well, it's a bit ironic, isn't it, that... Um it's the Trump administration that, have, that should have decided or should have contemplated the idea of kidnapping or killing Julian Assange, is it not? Because, I mean, in, in the public mind for a long time, we were told that um, Assange and WikiLeaks had helped install, through the auspices of the Russian government, had helped install Donald Trump as president. Yeah, in the public mind, uh, because that's the story that is being told. I mean, what basically happened is that prior to uh, the election of the uh, most important political office in the world, uh, our journalistic organizations get information about one of the uh, uh, contestants in that race and publish it. It is basically uh, the duty of journalists to, uh, to inform the electorate about uh, their choices. Mm. And uh, there was no, there were no favoritism in that sense. It was simply necessary to uh, to inform the electorate about uh, the choices. And I mean, if if uh, uh, if you want to think that there was any 
favoritism towards Donald Trump. Uh, I can I recall that Julian was once asked uh, about the choices in the U.S. election, and he said uh, something along the line that it was like uh, having to choose between uh, cholera and gonorrhea. <laughs> uh, so I mean, I probably can't uh, read into that anything of of, uh, of clear choices. A lot of Americans felt felt the same way. But there's, I mean, there has always been this sort of the whiff of Russia around WikiLeaks, I think it's fair to say. And you, and you might say that's because the American deep state has always tried to establish that link. But I mean, can you deny that, uh, that your WikiLeaks sources have, have been Russian? Uh, Julian has denied that, uh, that this, uh, this material that was published before the 2016 elections were, were uh, not from a state actor and they were not Russian. I was on a leave sort of in that period, so I was not uh, deeply involved in that uh, publication. But this is simply the, the case. There, there is, uh, of course, was uh, year after year uh, this deep, uh, almost a hysterical attempt to establish that there had been a collusion between the Russian state and the Trump camp uh, with WikiLeaks in between. Mm. Uh, but it was... It was not established. I mean, that was that was dismissed in the Buller report. But prior to that, of course, there was a, there were lots of reports tried to try to establish that. But uh, the, those reports were wrong. Has WikiLeaks ever worked with state actors? No, we work with anonymous sources. I mean, that is our modus operandi. That's why we created the platform to uh, for uh, sources to be able to give information to uh, the organization. Then it goes to a a very normal process of, of verification and evaluation, very normal editorial decisions then taken, whether the information is, is authentic, uh, is it in the public interest to publish it, exactly what goes on in, in every media organisation. You, you pointed earlier to an interesting thing that's happened with the New York Times, which for us for a while was working with WikiLeaks, and, you know, as far as sort of the mainstream media if you like were concerned it was it was you were the good guys right and then the guardian had something similar you were working with the guardian on stories and both organizations seem to have turned on you quite dramatically why why is that i think that uh, you know uh, personal flaws just come into play that are to some degree especially at the guardian in the new york times case I believe that originally there was such hesitation to uh, publish the material because they were simply afraid of the reaction by the government. And uh, actually they breached a contract that they did with us back in 2010 by actually bringing unpublished stories uh, for vetting and uh, by the White House, uh, which was extraordinary. It certainly isn't the the, the courageous uh, media organizations that uh, published, you know, the Pentagon Papers in the early 70s. Uh, so uh, th- there was, and actually on the day, for example, that the diplomatic cable stories were being released, they ran a, a hit piece on Julian Assange on the front page of the, of the paper, which was extraordinary. Is it because they now identify... Trumpism and the sort of destabilization of, of, if you want, centre-left, centre-right liberal politics with WikiLeaks. Do they blame you for your role in, in the sort of terrifying populist moment of 2016? I don't really know whether that's the motive behind uh, this animosity. And it's, it's not totally across the institution. I mean, there are a lot of very fine journalists there, as there are at The Guardian. But uh, it is a... 
possibly um, also an element there uh, of of the old guard who is feeling that they are losing their ground. The mainstream media, of course, has been losing ground to new actors. The model that we introduced, that Wikileaks introduced, was revolutionary, and it expanded the scope of journalism in a, in a manner that is not often recognized. And since we are celebrating anniversary now, I think that is the biggest impact. Just a couple of days ago, we were seeing the start of publication of the so-called, uh, well, the tax haven papers, uh, Pandora papers, by uh, the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. They are basically copying our model in 2010. It was unheard of uh, a decade ago that you could compile a consortium, as Wikileaks did, for example, in the publication of the diplomatic cables. Hundreds of journalists, a hundred plus media organizations all around the world were uh, working together, sharing information, and uh, that is now a model that we see uh, occurring again and again. Also, this element of putting up secure drop boxes, which are now most mainstream media organizations have one, so for sources to publish anonymously uh, or uh, submit anonymously to, to media organizations. So th there is a seed change there, and I sense possibly that at, at this point 10 years ago there was a bit of a fright that uh, that these these new elements would uh, drown out the old school investigative journalism work instead of just being positive about it and seeing this as an addition to the environment you disrupted the media i suppose have you spoken to julian assange since this story about the kidnap or kill story about him has come out no, I have not. Uh, we, we don't have secure communications between us. Of course, he's in Belmar's prison, so we use intermediaries. And I have not uh, been able to visit him uh, since last year. And so we, we are uh, careful in our communication and for good reasons, uh, uh, given the fact that we know now. So uh, I have not. But uh, as I say, this uh, uh, is, is not surprising to him. We knew that uh, this was brewing. And some of these uh, elements of the story actually has, uh, been, have been published before in, in uh, the Spanish media because of a Spanish criminal case against the security company who uh, was uh, supposed to take care of Julian Assange and the embassy, but then uh, in 2017 actually made a deal with the devil. and. Uh, for I think $200,000 a month started spying on him inside the embassy and uh, inserting hidden microphones and, and basically giving the CIA live feed from the, the embassy and spying on legally privileged uh, uh, meetings, etc. Who was paying that Spanish agency to spy on Assange in the embassy in London? Well, the, uh, the uh, uh, former employees of that company, UC Global, uh, who are now uh, protected witnesses in the case in Madrid, have uh, uh, given information about uh, the, the fact that this was CIA, this was, uh, and they, they cite the, uh, the former, or actually the current uh, uh, owner and manager of the company. We could uh, trace it to uh, Shelton Adelson, the late uh, Las Vegas uh, tycoon, casino tycoon, a big supporter of the Republican Party, a big supporter of Trump and, uh, my, and Mike Pompeo. There was circumstantial evidence this was, was CIA and uh, on top of the testimony of these uh, witnesses. 
but uh, the confirmation actually comes now with the, the Yahoo News story. Why would Sheldon Adelson want to hurt Julian Assange? Why would he want to get at Julian Assange? I don't really quite follow. Well, I mean, he is a supporter of Trump and Pompeo. I, I, I don't know where, and we can't ask him because he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what when the, what the motivation was, but it it uh, if you if you if you look at the gist of the Yahoo News story about the, the the deep hatred that was there and the bloodlust that was apparent, and uh, and. Uh, uh, almost uh, sort of sickening determination by Mike Pompeo to uh, to get revenge. Mm. I mean, it is extraordinary that that in the the short period that he was a CIA director, his first public appearance, uh, uh, public speech, he discussed the two ma- major dangers to uh, America. Uh, one was Al Qaeda, and another was WikiLeaks. <laughs> so it, it's it's extraordinary, and he defined uh, at the time uh, WikiLeaks as a as a non-state hostile intelligence service, and he used his words very carefully. We took took note on that. This was not sort of recognized by all at the time. Some said it was just empty words. But of course, we understood this to be a signal that uh, uh, basically a gloves off approach mm. towards the organization and its members and, and towards all of us. So they could take offensive uh, counterintelligence measures without any oversight, without getting approval beforehand, basically treating us as hostile spies. Yes. And uh, you don't have to uh, watch the movie to know what what that entails. It can basically be a license to kill them in some events. Well, Sheldon Aderson and, and Mike Pompeo are well known to be very close to Israel, to be great supporters of Israel. Can we infer from this then that Israel is against WikiLeaks, wants to shut WikiLeaks down? I will be hesitant to infer that without uh, having uh, facts to support it. Yeah. Well, finally, do you think that Julian Assange will be still be extradited, or do you think that the case against him has collapsed? Well, in the normal world, it would be absolutely impossible to extradite him. And I mean, that must be the finding of the High Court. Uh, at the end of no- October, we have the hearing and the appeal process, because the Americans lost in the lower court, and now they are appealing. Let me just give you two sort of points on that front. Part of the appeal request by the U.S. is to uh, be able to give uh, further assurances that Julian Assange will be treated very fairly if he is arrested and, and uh, well, actually extradited to the United States. He will not be, not be put under special administrative measures in prison, which is basically solitary confinement and, and what have you. Now. The organization that actually can dictate whether a prisoner is put uh, in, in solitary confinement is the CIA. So his fate will be in the hands of the organization who not that many years ago were plan- was planning to kidnap or assassinate him. Uh, the other, other point I want to make is that we have, of course, been claiming this is a, that he is a political prisoner. It's a politically motivated uh, prosecution that he is facing. In the Yahoo News story, you can read sort of how the indictment against Julian came to to be first issued under seal, and it was basically because the Justice Department was pushed to throw together something by the lawyers who were worried about the legality of uh, capture or kill uh, plans of the CIA. 
to have something in place if they would go ahead with these uh, uh, rogue plans. So the, the, the nature of the indictment is basically a response to that because they would think it looked better if he was kidnapped or killed in London to have some legal paper in place to show and say, well, see, he's a, he's a criminal. So it is unthinkable for the UK authorities to uh, come to the decision or the UK courts to extradite him. It's unthinkable under the current circumstances, as we have learned so much about the underlying factors in the case. And for the UK media, I'm, I'm really, I'm really would like to see a little bit more pressure in, in finding out uh, the complicity of uh, the authorities in London. Uh, the Yahoo the story basically claims that uh, the British were willing to take part in this. And in the story about a possible shootout in London, they had acknowledged to some sources of, of the journalists to do the shooting. Yeah. So, I mean, I would really like to hear more about the the part of the UK authorities in the entire thing. British spies are always, uh, whenever something bad seems to be going on, we seem to be involved in it somehow. Um, thank you so much, Christopher, for joining us. Very interesting talking to you. I hope you'll come on again at some point. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for listening to that episode of Americano. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, please leave us a star rating, preferably five stars, and a review.